Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Kimisha. You're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us today. Before we get into the Word, let's open up in prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you, and we magnify your name, Jesus. We just elevate your name, your honor, your glory, and your presence in our eyesight, Lord and in all the earth. And we bless your name, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your presence. We thank you for your f- time and your fellowship with us, Lord God, and our ability to fellowship with, with each other together, God. Minister to us. Allow us to hear from your heart, Lord Jesus, what you want us to understand about you and your good purpose towards us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for fulfilling our destinies. Minister comfort among your people joy, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We thank you, God, for divine healing. We thank you for divine restoration that comes only from you, Lord, and promotion to the people, Lord God, that have been waiting for you and waiting on your presence in that area, God. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your grace. Cause us to have ears to hear what you would say to your church, Lord, by your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. I'm glad that you are, we're glad that you're with us to discuss the word together and to be filled, right? Amen. To go closer to the Lord, to be more like his son, Jesus, or conformed to the image of Jesus, as the scriptures tell us. And um, something that we've been discussing here lately is... um why we're doing this, why we're going through our study on the Lord's house and uh, all the exacting details. Our God is a God of details. Every detail matters. It has weight and significance. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, right now we have, well, for quite some time we've been here in the Old Testament and in the, the first five books of the Bible, known as the, typically referred to as the law, or the Torah, or the Pentateuch, right? But I want to say this, all right? As we look at the Torah, which again, typically gets translated as the law, the whole point and purpose of this is to be freeing. It's easy to take the translation of the word, which we have come to recognize as law, and have this weight or this burden by it. But that's never what Christ meant or intended for the word to be. Not that the word is not weighty, but it was never meant to be burdensome. So even if we look at the translation of the word Torah, you can look at the root, and it comes from the word yara, which has a number of different meanings. Um, part of it is shoot or shooting, as in like arrows. And law is included in there. But also this this other interesting concept, and that is teaching. And if you look in or study out Hebrew, you'll find that the word for teacher is more and morah. 
for a male teacher and a female teacher. It always comes down in Hebrew to the root. What is the root or root letters of the word? So the similarity there, based on how the word is written, it should actually be translated the teaching. The first five books of the Bible should probably be translated the teaching. Now Jesus knew this, of course. Which is why he says in the New Testament, if anyone is willing, he will understand the teaching. Whether it comes from me or from my Father. Right? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So, and, and I'll say the why. The why is because this is supposed to teach us, to educate us. Other versions may say doctrine. If anyone is willing, they'll understand the doctrine. But the law was never meant to be burdensome, which is why it required Jesus to come down as our pattern and example and show us, demonstrate to us why and how to live this out what he intended the entire time. So we need to open up our hearts to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us into his word, so we can uproot any misunderstandings that we have and actually be, I'll say, matured in him, conformed to the image of Christ. All these details as we're seeing, are pointing to Christ. And he is our pattern example for how we're to live this out. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, as we continue our study in the Lord's house, we're going to reread what we were studying on the Ark of the Covenant. So, could I get a volunteer to read in Exodus 25, verses 10 through 22, please? I will. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it, and shall make on it a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side, and two rings on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. You should put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark, that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammer gold you shall make them as at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub cherubim at the two ends of it, of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim should be towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, which about everything which I will give you in the commandment to the children of Israel. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. So at this time, we're going to follow our custom and I'll open the floor up to each of you to ask any questions that you have. And first and foremost, to minister what the Holy Spirit has been speaking and sharing with and ministering with you so you can share it with us and we can all learn and grow together. Amen? Yes, Dan. All right, so who would like to begin? I will. All right, promise. So, Lord, just remind me of what the Ark of the Testimony is called, the Ark of a test, the Testimony, because they're... Wait, let me back up. First, Lord was talking to me about it was the Ark of the Testimony because it all pointed to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Lord reminded me of all those inside of the Ark wasn't to say worship these things inside of it. It was to go, the Lord made this, so... It points to the Lord like a food chain. Like with a little circle and as the arrow and it goes up. Okay. What else? Or or can you explain that in more detail? Yes. Okay, well please do, and sir. And how the Lord remind me of inside of chapter 32 of Exodus and how the people worship the cow instead of going. They said that the cow was a thing that brought them out of Egypt. Instead mm. of going, no, the Lord clearly made the cow. So that's false. And how the Lord is telling me that that's why it was called the Ark of the Testimony. Because all the things that the Lord made were made to worship Him. Well, made to worship Him, but it was also a, what, a type and a shadow or a symbol prophetically given for what was to come, which was Jesus. Right, we we covered that back in when we were looking at the fall of man. It's so in Genesis three, and I believe it's verse fifteen and verse twenty-one, if I recall correctly. That the Lord told and showed the devil exactly what he was going to do. He told him by saying that the um, the devil seed was going to get enmity with the woman seed at war with, right? But yes. that the woman seed, while his heel would be bruised, he would bruise the serpent's head, right? So placing the serpent under his feet. And then in verse 21, goes into the how it was going to be done, which was by being a sacrifice and covering the people. Yes? Yes. So, and, and I love how you brought that up. The Ark of the Covenant, Covenant, excuse me, also known as the Ark of the Testimony, because why? In Revelations nineteen ten, and um, the Apostle John is told to worship the Lord, right? Not to bow down and worship this well angel or fellow servant, right? Yes. And he said, "I'm your fellow servant." Of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. And he exhorts them. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's at both ends of the Bible. The beginning and the end. That's that's significant. And that's exactly what Jesus says. I'm the first and the last. The beginning and the end. The Alpha and Omega, right? Yes. Or the Aleph and the Tav in Hebrew. 
All things that were spoken of from the beginning pointing to the end and what the Lord is doing. So thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Um, Promise to what you were saying. um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 tells us that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And when you look at that, when he says, put these things in here to remind you of what I've done for you, but also to see where you are today. So from where you are today, look back on what I did for you before when I brought you out and bringing you forward, but also look forward to where you're going. So it, it is representative of Christ being the same. He was there in the beginning. He's been here the entire time, and mm-hmm. now he is going to continue to remain in his, um, in his glory. And I, I like that you, you saw that in the Lord, but also remembering that this is the Ark of the Testimony and the items that were placed in there were also significant of blessings that God uh, or miracles that God performed for them. So they would remember. And if you, if you think back to what he, how he would um, declare himself, he says, I'm the, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I did these things for you because we are supposed to remember God in our heart from where we are today, remember what he did for us and not just stay there, but continue to move with him into our destiny, into what he has coming for us. That's our small close-up, our micro vision, close-up picture, but also looking at the larger picture. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. And he does not change. Amen. What else do you have to share, sir? That was it. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, yes, but I have to find a scripture real quick. Okay. Mm-hmm. While you're looking for that, Charles, I just thought it was interesting. Promises you were talking. Um, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of the Testimony, but isn't a covenant a testimony? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what <clears throat> you know. Think of it as similar to a contract. Right? Why do we write them and why do we keep copies of them? Because over time, our memory fades. We pull them back out and they testify of what we have agreed to. Exactly. To each party, what they have agreed to, right? Because mm-hmm. God was, although in his mercy and his grace and just abounding grace that he gives us, you know, continue to honor his covenant, mm-hmm. even though uh, we fail to do so all the time. I would say the Israelites, we do it all the time too, so we don't mm-hmm. need to. You know, mm-hmm. point the finger at them, but Amen. Um, Amen. yeah, because you know, so often, even uh, many times when the the book of the law was recovered from the temple, you know, where it had been the temple had been destroyed or desecrated or forgotten or shutting up, and they would pull it out and they say, "Oh my goodness, we got to repent. Let us, you know, cast dust on our heads and put on sackcloth." Man, look at how far we've fallen away from mm-hmm. what God has asked us to do. So, what a testimony it is mm-hmm. of the covenant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As you were talking, I'm reminded of all the times in Scripture, and Moses even said this before he you know, went home to be with the Lord. He, he put it out for the people, read this every seven years, read this in its entirety, like the covenant, mm-hmm. the, the Scripture, the, the, book of, the books of Moses, as we were just talking, like read this in front of all the people every seven years. Why? So we could be reminded, mm-hmm. right? And, or taught or retaught what and how we need to live before our God. Hmm. 
But that's that's an interesting um, comparison because the Lord told Joshua to keep it before his eyes. Always, yes. Day and night and don't let it depart. So the ones at a distance just to keep just to keep themselves just on par was read it every seven years. Mm-hmm. But the one who would be close to God, drawn into him and, and excel and see the covenant fulfilled in the glory of the Lord and the promises of God in his life every day and be used mightily and dynamically by mm-hmm. God for the purpose God created him for, God said, keep it before your eyes every day. Exactly. That's an interesting... Um, right. But wasn't it congregational? I don't think... I never took that reference of every seven years to be um, an individual. It is a congregational thing. Come together yes, as a congregation. And then a big part of that was, um, you know, for me anyway, as I, as I understood that, I thought it also had to do with the generational aspect of things. So here we have, you know, every seven years, now we're going to get together as a congregation. So those who have not heard the word, you know, especially the younger ones, mm-hmm. have not heard the word in its entirety. You know, I shared with you guys, uh, I was not with the listeners, but I just did the, um, I just did a uh, speed read through the Bible <laughs> in 60 days. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. I mean, you would think that reading at the pace that you're reading to do that intentionally speed reading, you would miss a lot. And it's just, it just magnifies things. Just really going through God's word in a very condensed time period is a, is a blessing. Mm-hmm. So coming together as a congregation, so we're going to read God's word together. Uh, we're going to we're going to unite ourselves together. And of course, he's talking about mm-hmm. the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So, mm-hmm. um, just wow, let's celebrate where we came from, right? God in the mm-hmm. beginning, right? God mm-hmm. and God spoke, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and just continuing to celebrate that as a congregation, as a nation, as an ethnic. Um, group whose identity was that that God called them out of all the other nations mm-hmm. so that they would represent him certainly as a nation and, and we think about nations that fail and perish we think about the things that are going on in our nation now that if we would be if we would as a nation really truly unitedly call upon the name of the Lord mm-hmm and allow him to rule over us in the situations that are going on in our country, in our world. What, mm-hmm. what would the results be? <laughs> so, I, again, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a congregational thing. Certainly you cannot escape the, the daily aspect of God's word. When the, what's the Shema, right? I mean, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, mm-hmm. right? So they, they did, you know, um, traditionally, what did they do that? Twice in the morning and twice in the evening? Right, something like that. I know at least once in the morning, once in the evening, well, they would. Um, so that's in Deuteronomy um, six, I believe. Well, it's not just a Deuteronomy because it's kind right. of a combination of some other scriptures. Absolutely, right? it came from yes. But um, it's typically Deuteronomy six, verses four through nine. Um, and if you read that out, actually, I'll read it real quick. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
So in other words, it's, and this is a conversation you, Dean, and I have, have had multiple times and with many people about um, what are the patterns that we set in our life or the structure that we set in our life that incorporates the Lord in it? How have we structured our life and have we structured it in such a way where the Lord is preeminent in everything, where he is included and incorporated and has a say or directs us in everything, where we don't forget him in anything, regardless of how big or small it seems in our eyes. Do we allow the Lord to have say in it, to instruct us, to teach us, and to lead us in it? And are we living it out? And by living it out, not just what we say, but by our actions or our deeds, is it demonstrating what we're saying and in so doing, teaching others? We Are we rightly considering it? Exactly. I mean, so, you know, Kamisha, you just brought up Joshua. You know, so many people, one of the earliest verses I ever remember memorizing, and I'm always amazed at y'all's entire family at the level of scripture that you've memorized, but you know, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate mm-hmm. on it daily, that you may do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way straight. Then you will make your way prosperous. Mm-hmm. But verse 9 goes into, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. Are we rightly considering what we've read? To read his word means nothing if you don't rightly consider it. I mean, if you don't take it and move it out into your life. Are you being, are you trembling or are you being dismayed? I mean, I'm and I'll stop there because I'm going to move into an area we don't need to. That's between you and the Lord, how you consider Absolutely. that and what you're doing with that. But mm-hmm. use that as your own mirror to reflect and see and search and let the Lord and the Holy Spirit search you out. Exactly. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to anyone except Jesus. And by that, I mean, is our life aligned with him and with what he's commanded us to do? That's who we're to be conformed to. Dean, you and I don't have to compare our, our walk with each other's or anybody else for that matter. That's good, because you couldn't keep up with me anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I love that we can have fun in the Lord. Mm-hmm. But no, it's too many times that has happened, right, in the body of Christ. We, many compare themselves to other people. Um I'm better than that person, or I'm not doing as good as that person. And no, the, the only one I have to compare myself to is the Lord. Am I living just like Christ lived in his time on earth? And, and that's all that matters. Is the Father, is my Heavenly Father pleased with me? Is he glorified by my actions and my words? That's all that matters. That's the only one I'm looking for an approval from. His, his approval is the only one that matters. The Charles, sir. You're Did we give you time to find what you were looking for? Chomping at the bit over yes. there, I see. Well, please share with us. Okay. First, I want to bring us to... First, I'd like to bring us to... Ex, back to Exodus 25. And the first thing I wanted to point out was... When the Lord was telling them, he told them to create a mercy seat that was the top of the ark, and that's what covered everything on the inside. And I found it interesting that when the Lord told the people to put all the stuff in it, he told them to seal it up. And it reminded me of in 
First Samuel six nineteen. When the people pushed out, they took out the top of the mercy seat to try to look in what's inside the ark, and how they were struck. Mm-hmm. And I was comparing the two. Wait one second. Wrong scripture. It is still. I'll read that. Ah. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Struck fifty thousand and seventy men of the people, and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with the great slaughter. So the Lord was pointing out was that with the mercy seat and with everything inside of it, yes, it is the Ark of the Testimony and Covenant, but we also have to have a reference for it. It's not just something that you could trample underfoot and then hold it up. It's like mommy, when we turn in paper, she doesn't want a wrinkled paper. <laughs> she doesn't want dog-eared papers. She wants it nice because it shows that you care about it. It's, oh man, I have to dig it out of the trash bin. Here you go, mommy. No. That's no you guys it, can't see my eyes as big as saucers right now but like mm, don't do it <laughs> and then also i wanted to talk about the lord also was reminding me here that in multiple points in this in scripture how they took the ark of the lord with them to battle and how it typically served and helped them in it but there's two um types one one, they didn't even try to take it. Then another one, they tried to take it, but the Lord was not with it. So the Lord was also telling me the first one was in Numbers 14, um, 39 through 45, where they tried to invade Canaan after they had complained against and saying, no, we can't do it. How they tried to go up the mountain and drive out the people without Moses or the Ark of the Lord. And then the second is in um, 1 Samuel 4, 4 through 11 were Hophni and Phineas. they had taken the Ark of the Covenant with them and they're fighting the Philistines and it was captured and the Lord w- wanted me to relate that how in our own lives I know I've done it myself I say well Lord I can't do that but then after a while I say okay Lord I'm going to try this but we we can't be out of the Lord's perfect timing and try to expect to use as dad calls it Jesus dust on it and saying Lord bless it, and then expect to go and win, and how that's not what happens, and how with it, like mommy's always saying, you have to be in the perfect timing of the Lord, and it's when we're out of the perfect timing, though the Lord may tell us something, if we move out of the timing or delay in it, it won't work, it's like if mommy says, you can have chocolate milk, then I push out to the next day, mommy said, I didn't say you could have that. (laughs) <laughs> I said yesterday you could have it, but you didn't take it. So now you had to ask afresh. It's not just push it back until I feel ready to do it, but it's moving when the Lord tells us to move. Obedience to the Lord. Yes. And God is not fickle. He's not a yes and no God. Uh-huh. No. Um, but there is reverencing him as God and not treating him as common. Um, God was very specific about how they should treat the ark because he said so. Because he said that his 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 glory and his presence would reside there, and while it belonged to them, he gave it to them in a sense to have this. Uh, it's a, a multi-layered demonstration with the Ark of the Covenant, but 
he never meant it for them to treat it like, well, this is mine. I can just do what I want to with it. He always meant for yes. us as his people to reverence him as holy Amen. and keep him as our God and not like he's common to us. It's okay for Jesus to go, yes, I am your older brother. I'm the firstborn among many brethren. And understand us like that because of his role of high priest but it's not okay for us to treat him like we can take his name in vain right or um, yes lack reverence towards the sacrifice that he made in his blood the mercy seat was a demonstration of the holy and precious blood of jesus christ what would be done for us through his his death burial and resurrection so that's not something we should go well i can serve you today and then i'll follow away i'll, I'll be back god i'm just going to send for about two more weeks and then I'll come back to you when I get time, you know, and then wave him off as though he is some, someone less than who he is. He's Mm -hmm. God. So that's important. And part of our obedience is being prompt when he tells us to do something or when he sets a season and a time for us to do something that we obey him because we value his word. We understand that what he's doing matters and it's not to us to go, well, now I feel like it. So, okay, now I will, after I've spoken against you, God, after I've um, failed to believe you and um, done what I wanted to do, now I'll go and tend to your business, Lord. That, that shows a lack of respect. And when we don't respect God, of course, we end up dishonoring him. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Anything else, sir? Oh, and what the final part was that when in First Samuel 4 and how originally the Lord was just showing as mom was talking, originally they didn't take the ark with them. They were going to go fight the Philistines without it. And only when things didn't work did they try to come back and grab it and saying, the secret is here. <laughs> we got it now. And then they expected just to go out and destroy people because they thought they brought this one thing to them. And the Lord was also showing me it's not just about the Ark of the Covenant, but it was how, like you were saying, Mommy, it was their reverence and how that's what the Lord told them to do. That's why it worked when it worked. Because the Lord commanded them, saying, do this, and this is what will succeed. But when we try to say, the Lord tells us to do something, and we say, no, I don't want to do that, but then later we try to come back, it doesn't, I won't say there is still an aspect because Jesus in the gospel is saying that there was one son who said, no, I won't go. Then mm-hmm. he went later. Then there was one son who said, yes, I'll go, but he mm-hmm. didn't go. Mm-hmm. So what the Lord is saying that it is the same concept, but when the Lord tells us to do something, he wants our immediate obedience, not our reluctance. Okay, I have to go do this or I don't feel like doing it, but the Lord told me to do it. So I would go do it. That's not what the Lord wants or desires. He wants willing obedience. Yes. yes. And if your emotions aren't just in line yet, he understands we have a great high priest who understands what it means to be human. So he, will, he walks with us if we have to bring our emotions into subjection. But our heart desire is ultimately to do the will of the Lord and yes. to obey him, to be willing and obedient. Doesn't mean this also always like, you know, whistling gumdrops and rainbows as we're doing something that's hard. Jesus, you know, he cried out to God in the garden. Yes. To the point of sweating great drops of blood. I've, I've never seen that in 21 years of 
medical experience. I've never seen anybody sweating blood. Literally, I've not seen that. Mm -mm. But it happened for our Lord and Savior as he wrangled his flesh. And even the natural um, things that God gave us to keep us alive, he wrangled and subdued it to do the will of the Father because that was his will. He was willing and obedient. God can work with that. And even if we make a mistake and go, God, okay, I didn't handle you right. I'm sorry. And repent and then move forward in whatever he tells us. God is gracious. But us thinking we're going to do his will in our own strength. (laughs) No. And then consider asking him about it after we failed, after we've tried everything else. Now we're going to come back to God. Yes, he'll take us and he'll accept us, but he wants us to have a better attitude than that. He wants us to come up in our thinking and our our, um, connection with him, that he's not our afterthought. He's not our last choice. He's our first choice. And that's the sprinkling Jesus dust on it. After I've, I've done my will, God, now you just bless it. Here, you put the cherry on top. And bless my will because it's my will be done on earth. No. And you just back it up. That's not right. That's not what God wants from us. Mm-hmm. That's not covenant relationship. It's his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we as his people get ourselves in alignment with that and move forward in what God says. And he's gracious. He understands humanity. Absolutely. He understands the limitations and the weakness. But he would not ask us to do something if it were not possible. It's not possible in our own strength. It's not possible in our flesh, but it's possible through trust in Jesus Christ and walking with him. All things are possible to those who believe. So that's what he was asking them for. Believe me and you'll prosper. Believe me and walk with me and you'll have good success. Amen. Absolutely. You'll have good success. And I love how you brought and tied it together, sir, with the, um, the parable of the, the two sons in the vineyard. The two sons, one said, yeah, I'm going to go do it, and didn't. And the other said, I'm not going to do it. But then he thought about things. Yes. And he was like, no, it's right for me to go do this, because I've been asked by my father, right? Yes. But you can see there that he searched himself over and repented, brought things back into alignment, and then went and did the work. And the first examples you brought up, with the ark in Numbers and in Samuel. The insistence is the difference. Yes. They insisted on doing things their way, regardless of what the Lord had said. And it was only after they experienced or were instructed and told, the Lord said, this is the consequence of those actions. Then it was, oh no, we're just going to do it anyway. We'll just take it over. So again, trying to now move forward without the Lord, right? Isn't yes. that something that Moses had already addressed in Exodus 34? He said, hey, we're a stubborn and rebellious people. But even though we are stubborn and rebellious, please take us as your people, right? Yes. And he said, if you don't go anywhere, we're not going to go anywhere. Right? In other words, waiting on the Lord. And the Lord had already spoken, but they insisted on being in opposition to him. And then went into further opposition by saying, we're just going to take over the land anyway because you already said we could have it. When another word had come. Right? Yes. Saying, now because you resisted, now these things have to take place first. Right? Yes. So, obedience is much better than sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I know we cannot treat the Lord as a common thing. He is holy. Therefore, we 
and he has also spoken that we should be holy. So we must be holy. Yes. Amen. Let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right, promise. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. I also just thank you for being with us and just telling us what we should do so that we can always win. Lord, I also just thank you for being our God and not letting anything else take your place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.